Good evening, Trekkies, Trekkers, and everyone alike. Welcome to this week's episode of In Star Trek We Trust, a Star Trek podcast, we are, where we are discussing Terra Firma, Philippa Giorgio's, Mirror Philippa Giorgio's swan song, I guess, if I, guess I so. to interpret this correctly. but You know, I just realized this season has had a, uh, a part one, then yeah. a part three, then a part one, then a part two. Yep. We're still missing a part two in there, though. My name is Kevin, one of your hosts. And I am the other host, and my name is Ethan. So, not a bad episode this week. I'm I'm feeling better about it after my second viewing. I was not happy after my first viewing. But I've changed my tune after watching it for a second time. So, I think it's just because... You you want to see, you want you like the burn idea you want to see more burn and that's understandable. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 my old mentality of watching uh, Lost. When they deviated from the mysteries, I was that I found more interesting. It frustrated me. Yes. So see, and I, I, I liked it more on my first view than my second view. So it, it flip flopped for us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what's your overall? sort of high-level feeling about the episode now that it's over with before we dive into details? Well, so my first thought was, um, is this where I w- wanted to the show to go for two episodes? No. But yeah. I actually enjoyed getting into the story part in the Mirror Universe. Just following that, was it was enjoyable. So I, I kind of just said to myself, you know what? They've entertained me for two episodes, which often sometimes is not the case. Um, you know, so for instance, on Book's Planet, I was not entertained for the 40 some odd minutes that that went on. Mm-mm. But for this, I was essentially entertained. And it was on the second viewing that I then started to have m- many more, not even unanswered questions, but just WTF questions. I completely echo your sentiment when it comes to them dedicating two parts to this two episodes to this because I'm just feeling this sense of urgency on needing to address these other things that have been lingering. These other mysteries that I f- find are more important. And so I felt like we were kind of, and I've had this feeling before felt like time was being wasted on something that is not necessarily irrelevant, but in my view, not as important as the things that the season was setting up initially. This didn't come in until later. And so I feel like the main events of the season have taken a backseat all too too much in recent weeks. And I'm feeling like, come on, guys, let's get back to these. Right? right. I mean, and the good news the- is that one of these plots has been resolved this. so Yeah, I think that it hasn't felt like... Cause- a season of television does not have to sort of be one thing. Right. But Played by my rules. When you make, when you set up the whole season around this mystery, then it, the show itself has set up what, right. what, where it should be focusing. And so, yes, a diversion, but a not unpleasant diversion. It. it the thing is, it was set up and focused on for quite a bit in the beginning, and then suddenly it's just relegated to the background, yeah. so the show can do these other things. And I'm just like, 
All right, guys, but again, it's it's I, I, I it's in some ways semantics. It's really just me. It's because I have more interest in those mysteries that have taken a back seat. I feel like that in some ways is blinding me is blinding me a little bit to not fully want to embrace everything. But yeah, I don't know. Mm, yes, because is it not the te- purpose of a show to entertain us? It is. Yeah. So, but getting into the episode, so obviously part two, we pick up from last week and we are right back into the mirror universe. And one of the things that I mentioned last week that I felt like wasn't overly apparent to me and I felt kind of, in retrospect, I feel kind of lame saying it because it was now it's just right in front of me is Giorgio seeing how much Giorgio has changed since she's been away. Um, I don't know why it wasn't jumping out at me so so easily last week, mm-hmm. but maybe it's just now with that in mind, I, I was able to see more of it this week. And I liked those scenes with her and Michael, and you really see how much of... You really see how much edge Giorgio has lost. Yeah. I... <laughs> No. I thought I thought I I did like that also because I, that's sort of the that's the interesting thing about it is the fact that she's not as mm. tearing as she once was. That's right. definitely the growth of the character, so I did like that. Right. The thing that I just thought was strange and that never clicked for me was when she kept telling Michael things like uh, she says, I have seen what this world can be and it is luminous. Right. What exactly is she talking about? Does she mean she wants the Terran universe to be more like the Prime universe? And why? When she saw what happened to the Prime universe, and it's not in great shape right now. So I just didn't understand what what she was doing. It's interesting because Cronenberg's character has said twice now that both universes, Mirror Universe and the Prime Universe, diverged from each other quite a bit. Right? And not to jump ahead, but that's brought up again at the end of this episode when they're much more aligned. But, and so my whole thought was, my whole theory was that, is this a result? Did the two universes begin to divert diverge because of what is happening here? So in other words, is Giorgio being sent back in time and is she changing history in some way? Thus, erasing the mirror universe experiences we saw from the other shows because as we see up until deep space nine anyway it seems they seem pretty much well actually i don't know how they would be aligned i don't even know what it means to be aligned but um because they're they're different anyway (laughs) they're already different. i always thought that he meant just dimensionally aligned like yeah like a physics kind of thing you know like they're close together in a you know whatever fourth dimension kind of way I mean, I guess a lot that, but I guess maybe aligned in the sense of like, you know, even though events and things are not exact, like there's still an enterprise and Kirk is its captain. The same crew is on, but different things are happening. Oh, right. Which right. is always the yeah. suspension of disbelief I just went with because I right. knew it didn't make sense that they yeah. would all still be together because the whole universe would play out in a different way. And I thought that maybe this divergence was the cause was rooted in this in these 
in the events that we were seeing play out. Because there was also, when Kirk left the Mirror Universe in Mirror Mirror, one of the things that he told Spock, he was sort of advising Spock to be open to embrace change. And it's established later on Deep Space Nine that Kira said that Spock tried to do massive reforms. And But I thought, does that mean that whatever Spock did, maybe it didn't work, but it was kind of a... It was slowly sort of changing over time. Like, I began to think, is this could that be a cool parallel with what he did in Unification? And it was just very slowly changing over time. Like, I thought that was cool. So, um, so while I'm... I enjoy the episode. I'm. It, there's still lingering questions to things that I'm just not clear on right now. Hmm. I, it's interesting. I'm glad I didn't think of it that way because I would have been troubled by it. I just saw it as almost like a physical divergence. Right. Yeah. Um, one thing I noticed in this episode, specifically when you know Giorgio throws Michael in the agonizer, she has her in the brig, and that's what I feel like. Sonequa Martin Green's performance. She's I feel, she's reminding me a lot of the way William Shatner played Kirk as his mirror <laughs> self, just okay, completely yeah, over yeah. the top and just I mean it's the mirror universe she's supposed to be over the top, but she, I just yeah. felt like she was really channeling Kirk in that in this that's episode. A good, that's a generous way to look at it. Yeah, you know you feel better about it when you say it that way. Yeah, um, I do want to ask you what did you think of the modified opening titles? Oh, I didn't watch them. <laughs> Oh, you didn't? No, I skipped them. Oh no, they they pulled an Enterprise and oh, gave them that. its own custom title. Well, kind of. What they did was they. It wasn't as as drastic as Enterprise, though, right? No, it, I mean it was the same thing. The col- but the colors were inverted, and then everything was flipped. It was no. it was reflected, but they were upside down. It wasn't like because okay. in a mirror it's reflected, but in this instance everything was upside down. And I'm like, I'm making, it's making me think of Stranger Things, the upside oh, yeah. down, right? But I thought to myself, okay, is that just like symbolic to like, you know, the mirror universe is a world upside, the whole world is upside down, you know, like metaphorically. So that's, yeah. yeah. Um, but at mm. the same time, I thought to myself, why didn't you do that in the last episode? Why did you do that last week? Why did you only do it for this one? Is it because last okay, week it was so a it was surprise only- not to reveal it? Oh, you think more what? Was, you got something to know. say. What is it? It's, you just put your head in your hands. People can't see. I just saw you. Uh, do I don't know. You get a two-part mirror episode, but you only do the mirror titles for one? I have to I suspect. It didn't, it didn't start in the mirror universe, the other episodes. So well, I have to suspect we maybe mm-hmm. um, not to... I mean, do they not want to? Spo- I don't know. Spoil it? Yeah, I don't know. But yeah. we saw the trailer for next week, so I, I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. So, but uh, on the Blu-ray, they should fix that. All right. So I'll call that a missed opportunity, just so I can do this segue. I think there are some real missed opportunities, and mm-hmm. I feel like it's become my role on this podcast is to point out the missed opportunities. And I just want to say that I'm not saying that I could have written these ideas better. I'm just saying they were like these ideas that were hanging right there and they don't do anything with them. Right. So I mentioned last week how... Which makes it all the more frustrating. Yes. I mentioned last week how, oh, is it going to be a parallel between Giorgio not wanting, being willing to kill her adopted daughter and Osira 
being willing to kill her brother and her nephew. And then this week, we've got this coalition coming together that sounded to me like the Emerald Chain. Is that going to be a parallel? No, not a parallel at all. So, I I know, it just seems like... Well, I think something could have been done by paralleling no, the, I, the two universes. I think, but I think the way you parallel is that both versions of those characters are doing something similar. Not paralleling where, like, Osira is doing the same thing that George O is doing. Well, I just mean thematic paralleling. Well, right, right. Or at least something, you know, to to call back between the two. Yeah. That's, I mean, just a, something that it just seems like something could have been done. Yeah, you were saying like with you're saying like with this season with the Emerald Chain being this sort of, you know, so we're supposed to believe form, formidable enemy gathering strength in the background someplace. The uh, what were they calling it? The coalition. The coalition. It's the same thing here. Yeah. Some kind. Yeah, I get what you're saying. That would have been cool. But I, but I felt like they didn't do anything with it. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, I think... Same as uh, George yeah. O killing and not killing. But they didn't do anything with it where they could have. Yeah. Not at all. I mean, I would say maybe the Coalition is doing it in a way. But let's not forget that we were only in the Mirror Universe for these two episodes, right? Yeah. So... Yeah, I um, guess it was a parallel in that they both are large threats allegedly that we never see as a large threat so in that way it's a parallel that yeah. they just tell us they're a threat and they never show us that they're a threat right so that lines up perfectly well did you notice though so i don't know if you caught this i made a note of it so when um michael was listing out all these alien species she mentioned the no- the denobulans dr flocks okay. is a denobulan Oh, okay. Yeah. It's too bad it wasn't... She had listed off the original um, Federation members. That would have been interesting. Well, so she mentions the Romulans, the Klingons, the Andorians, and the Tellarites. And we see them... When they went to the Mirror Universe initially in Season 1, when they go to that... Michael and I think Tyler, I can't remember, go to that planet to investigate something, it's the four of those species together in some sort of alliance. Okay. And I know that later on in Deep Space Nine, there is a sort of alliance against the Mirror Universe, but I I couldn't remember if they actually had a name. And I thought, you know, are they calling it, are they calling it the Coalition? But the Coalition is actually a a name, I looked on Memory Alpha really quick, and it's it's, it's being established in this show. So they're not making use of a name that's been used in the past, in this case, the future. So... What I feel like is happening in this episode, this episode is making me not like the Mirror Universe anymore. And it's, I don't want to say it's got anything to do with the episode specifically. It's just, I feel like the more we go there and the longer we spend there, mm-hmm. the more ludicrous a place it is where like that makes no logical mm-hmm. sense. And I know that's kind of the fun of the Mirror Universe, yeah. but like... What else is to it? I mean, because all we are seeing and all Discovery seems to want to do is just have people betraying each other and left and right and killing mm-hmm. each other. And I'm like, and I'm just thinking like, this is okay. This is 
I get why Discovery's doing it because it's it's relevant to the plot, right? But we have not seen much of the mirror universe beyond that, and I just keep thinking, is this all there is? Because if it is, this is getting boring. This is not anything. You're not doing. They're not building onto this. I can see that. It's a yeah, universe so that has no almost, rules. It's almost as if the more seriously you take the mirror universe, the less effective it is. Right. It's a gag. It's supposed to be sort of a gag in some ways. Yeah. It's yeah. goofy, but you're not supposed to see too far into it, and right. you know, and just the fact that oh, there's a they have Kelpians as slaves, but then Jordan's right. going to help the slaves, and um, yeah, the the more you try to use it as a real place, the, yeah, the yeah. less good it is. Right, that makes sense. Like I felt like when Enterprise did it in the two part episode, which I thought was a great idea, I kind of felt like. Okay, now I've sort of seen it all. Like this is. This but even though it was a gag, like it didn't try to make it matter to the main show. No, because it just took place. It wasn't as if somebody from Enterprise crossed over into it, right? Yes, which, and, which made it work all a little bit better. And I'll admit, I like how Discovery used it in the first season, where Lorca was from the Mirror Universe. I thought that was a that was kind of that was a cool that was different that was cool, a cool thing to do. But even then, I felt like okay. That's enough, okay. I, I I don't mind not seeing the Mary Doris for another fifteen years or something like that, right? Like I'm I'm okay not seeing it again. Yeah, I I I, I like the way things played out. I mean, yeah, yeah that's the thing. Mary Universe, I'm willing to suspend my disbelief and not think right. too hard about it. Right. Um. Although, and, and I think though it did actually work that Georgia was not able to bring any civility to it because that's not how it works. Yeah, I mean, but I did, and I liked the idea behind that, right? I liked the idea that Giorgio trying to bring some civility to it and maybe change things. But again, right, I didn't feel like she was going to succeed because this is the mirror universe, right? All we do is betray and kill each other. So when... You know the future of the mirror universe is still terrible. Right, and so when Michael comes and doesn't believe her and tries to stage this coup... I'm not surprised because I know how this universe works because I've been watching it since the original show. So, right, yeah. And e- even I thought that her plan mm. was really, really a bad plan, Giorgio's plan. Right. Because once Michael came back and said, "Oh, I trust you. You trust me now." Right. I knew she couldn't trust her, but then her plan was to give her weapons and then send her out to kill a bunch of people. Right. Um. But I'll but I'll keep an eye on her. Seemed like a really, really bad plan. I, I think my overall problem with it, sort of with the episode itself, is, and I know we, I just said, let me go through my notes, but let me just get this out first. Um, I, I said this to you the other day. In the end, I don't feel like Giorgio was redeemed. Well, so that's the interesting thing. I understand what the Guardian said. Yeah. And how, and I kind of did also like the fact that Giorgio thought, well, I failed because I was supposed to not kill my daughter and save her, and I didn't. And he said, yeah, but look at all these smaller things that you did. That was actually, I liked that. That was nice. That was but, nice. but as a character story, it was not very satisfying. No. Because it was, okay, you've come and you've changed and you went back to the universe and you try to change it and you fail. Mm-hmm. But you've saved a few Kelpians, so. I feel like me as a viewer, I'm 
in some ways. <laughs> Sorry, why are you wearing that hat? <laughs> I'm gonna wear something. <laughs> I just it just caught my attention. Um, yeah, I kind of feel like my my trip into the mirror universe is in some way as a viewer mirroring Giorgio saying like I just don't feel like I belong here anymore like I'm just feeling like like what I was just saying to you a little while ago like alright I, I think I've seen all I need to see of this place and I just kind of want to move on at this point right but yeah I, I, yeah I so, but I did I enjoyed seeing it unfold I enjoyed seeing like how will Michael betray her again and, and right. those sort of things right um, but as this is going on is it important to you whether if this is real or not? No, I don't care. It's the mirror universe. Who cares? Is it real? Who cares? Well, no, no. What I mean is, like, like, is this just a? T- I mean, because it was revealed in the end that this was she was being weighed, as as Carl said. But I mean, at any point, would it have changed anything if this was say? If she changed events, or if this was actually really just a, like did that, would that change anything for you? No, I don't care okay. what happens in the mirror. I don't have a. Uh, yeah, no, I don't care about the continuity of the mirror universe. Yeah. Okay. Why uh, would someone have? But it's still evil when Kirk gets there. So this is, yeah. Is that like the vibe that would have happened? I don't know. Probably don't know. from some people. But it's an alternate universe. Maybe they were just in an alternate mirror universe. What do we know about the mirror universe, really? Less we know, the better. So just some notes I have, some observations. Um, I like... I really like the moment when Giorgio tells Michael, like, gives Michael another chance, and Michael comes in to the ready room where she is with Owo and Tilly... And she's basically just with with Detmer, and she's basically just throwing the badges on the table. Like I killed this person, I killed that person, and I love that moment when till when she looks at Mike, when uh, Georgia looks at Michael and just goes, Michael, and then she just turns around and kills Detmer, and she's yeah. like, okay, now it's done. Yeah, I just re- I just really really enjoy that. Yeah, um, I mean I we I think that her way of proving. Michael was not a threat anymore and sort of um, like aside from killing her which I guess is what you're supposed to do in the mirror universe what she did do was actually pretty cold-blooded probably even by mirror universe um, you know standards so I think it would have worked because there was that point being made like if you don't kill your enemy then you're weak and then you're gonna get overthrown um, so, but I, I, I do think that she had a reasonable alternative to, yeah. to killing her. And it is interesting too, that, well, has she changed that much? She's willing to kill 99.9% of the people that betrayed her, but one person she's not. Right. Well, and that's where I was like getting not confused, but I just kept thinking she's struggling with whether or not she belongs here or not. And yet <sighs> like Michael is killing I don't even know how many people she killed, right? But then, so you have that. But then you also have these moments where she has a nice moment with Saru, right? And when she's having that dinner scene with Michael, she's like, I don't eat Kelpian. What does she say? It's too high in... Too stringy and high in cholesterol. Right. So it's, you know, in a way, it's almost like Giorgio told Michael to kill all the people that she doesn't have scenes with on a weekly basis. (laughs) Yeah. 
And, but and also, it's like probably says more that what she was willing to do was to help the lowest among them, the, the enslaved Celtics. Right. Right. Than yeah, than the other the other people. But she had really there were really nice moments in the episode too. I mean, in spite of where it took place. I mean, again, the dinner scene with Michael, where she says talking about Kelpie and it's too stringy and it's too high in cholesterol. I mean, that was sort of a direct contradiction to the scene that uh, Prime Michael had with Mira Giorgio in the first season when she was like, Giorgio's trying to get her to taste some Kelpian ganglia. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I like the sort of mirroring, forgive the pun, of that of those two moments. So there, Right. Like that was, yeah, that was good. It felt to me like that that scene specifically, and then even the scene with the two of them on the planet. Those were two moments that I felt were bookended to earlier scenes. So and I really like the scene with Saru when she told him about. Um, I love that. Ballora High, what's it called? Vahare. Yeah. Vahare. Um. Yeah, that was good. My only thing in that moment that sort of confused me was. Because I don't know what they were trying to imply. Because when she was talking about that, Saru's saying, you're not Terran. Oh, yeah. You don't speak like a Terran. Like, go back to where you came from. And I'm thinking to myself, now, is he just kind of speaking figuratively? Because I don't think he would be aware that there's another universe out there. Like, is, is he literally thinking, like, you're not of this universe? Or is he just saying, like, you're not Terran because you don't speak like one? Oh, I think you know he's mean? saying essentially like you have compassion, and I've probably he's never seen compassion from right. anyone ever, and it's such a part of their culture not to have compassion that he just yeah. knows like something's not right. Like you don't fit the role, you don't fit the role of a Terran. You don't behave yes. like a Terran, thus you are yes. not a Terran because I only know them to be savage and yes, and they care nothing for us. They'll kill us, right. eat us. And they don't care. So clearly, I, I don't know who you are. You're not the emperor because the emperor would have like cut my ganglia off and just ate him. I guess because I thought that because like even though, yes, she is from this universe, but she did leave and then she came back. That's where sort of my head was like, well, she did kind of cross universes. And him saying you're not from here, I'm thinking like, oh well, he's on to her now. Um, I did enjoy that Commander Arium in this episode as a full human. I know what was the point of that. I just, yeah. I would have liked to have seen them, just the because this was a cool, you know, costume. Yeah. Are you at all disappointed that we didn't see Lorca? Were you hoping we would? I think I asked you this no. last week too, but. No, I, I would have been cool, but but um, I didn't expect it for some reason. I don't know why. Maybe he's a prominent actor, and we would have seen it in a trailer or something. But I just didn't expect it at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but in the end, you know, they, they go looking for Lorca. So Michael has to prove herself twice. So she slaughters a certain number of crew. Then they decide they're going to go on the hunt for Lorca. Now, had Jason Isaacs decided to make an appearance, I feel like it would have been more than just one scene, right? He w I feel like he maybe would have been more prominent in the episode. But I thought I was kind of holding out hope that maybe there would be a surprise reveal. Mm. But, uh, but. I feel like in his place, they found that guy, Duggan. Duggan, who I was thinking that was probably a substitute for like Lorca. Like maybe they wrote that for Jason Isaacs, hoping uh, he would no come back. <laughs> and then he's probably like, nope, not doing it. Yeah. So, but even then, that was just a plot device. 
to get the mutiny to happen again anyway. The rest of the crew right. mutinies on her, and, you know, of course, all hell breaks loose at that point. Here's a question. What do you think Risa is like in the Mirror Universe? It has rings. Um, I don't know. I, I did think about that. Like, I'm sure it's still a pleasure planet, but in this universe, but pleasure, different, different pleasure different just means pleasure. pleasure just yeah. means something else. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, but in that case, the pleasure planet just being whatever they do on that pleasure planet, you have to think. Okay, they probably just do it on the ship daily anyway. So, what kind of a vacation would it truly be? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but again, it just begs the question to me: like, what do people do in the mirror universe for vacation? Do they vacation? Oh yeah, or people that are not involved in the terror, the empire, um, empire expansion. Yeah, yeah, uh, totally. So. so then we have yeah the the the, uh, the the mutiny, the revolt, whatever it is. Yep. And I did like that reveal of you should have never trusted me, and Giorgio says I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good. That was a good, you know, Giorgio type of moment because yeah. she's always a couple steps ahead of people. But we. You know, the revolt happens, the two of them. And she's got Saru on her side. Giorgio's got Saru. Well, yep, I shouldn't say Saru, Kelpian. but a Kelpian who is Saru in the other universe. Yep. And, and um, Saru does a nice t- uh, Culber toss. Yes. <laughs> that was pretty good. Because yeah. I forget that they're very, very strong. Oh, yeah, and you. I don't... I can't remember if we, now that I think of it, I don't recall in the first season if we saw Culber in the Mirror Universe. I don't. I don't remember if we did or not. Not sure, not sure. I can't remember. But um, it did make, make me say the interesting thing of that, that we've we've seen more cohesion of the crew being involved in the same storyline in the Mirror Universe right. than, we, than we did do in the Prime Universe. Because we saw everybody was involved in this story. Right. And sadly, I guess sadly, the bridge crew has more to do as their Mirror counterparts than they do in the <laughs> as their Prime counterparts, I think. Yes, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I would mourn the deaths of their mirror counterparts more than I would their prime counterparts. But well, we get to mourn the deaths of many of them. <laughs> um, but then of course, like after that, Giorgio dies, Michael dies, and then we're brought mm-hmm. back to the present, which is the future. I know, and I've got to assume that what they've got over there now is Emperor Killy, right? I would assume so. So that's a reason to revisit. I would watch that. It's not unlike Emperor Hoshi at the end of an Ameridaki. Yeah. yeah. But they just let it let it end there. Yeah. Um, but... Oh, at, oh, one more thing. One more thing on that. Um, there was also a moment with, with, between Giorgio and Michael where I wanted more, but which said, like, I hoped you could have changed or I hoped something better for you, and Michael said, you made me. Right. Um... I thought that would have been something cool to deal with, too. The fact that she's the one who raised her and made her that way, yep. and now she's unstoppable. So, But it didn't really deal with that. It just mentioned it. So that was another missed opportunity, I think. So as we get back to the 32nd century um, and on the planet with Carl, uh, you kind of said it earlier, but um, I'm going to throw it over to you. Carl is revealed to be... The Guardian of Forever. Um, I thought that was cool. I I would have been fine if it wasn't. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I I was like, all right, that's cool. Guardian of Forever. That's that's pretty that's pretty sweet. 
Yeah, I liked it. Yeah. And but the thing that got me was that he reveals himself to be the guardian of forever. Right. And, and then the door turns into the the stone right. archway thing that we're used to, and it's like, whoa! Yeah. And then they immediately, immediately cut to um, the discovery, and there's a scene of exposition, and I swear, uh, two times, yeah, I could not yeah. pay attention, because they're talking so fast, and I'm still in this, like, whoa, that was the Guardian Forever, and I'm thinking yep. it through, and so by the time I caught back in with the show book was in the middle of some long technical thing about a device and i still don't know what the hell he was talking about let me ask you this it was the worst cut ever what's the what's the in-universe reason for it not being the guardian of forever being obvious that it's the guardian of forever when we first see him um it's clearly just there to surprise the audience right but what does he gain sort of disguising himself instead of just um, coming right out with it, right? I don't know. Maybe, maybe he doesn't um, – I mean, we've only seen him one other time, really. Well, two other times. But I don't know. Maybe he just changes it up for fun. Yeah. I mean, again, it's not a big deal. Yeah. It's it's just one of the that's one of those things where you have like a disconnect between the show and the audience, right? That's where the show it, it it was. I don't know if it's really necessarily breaking the fourth wall, but I feel like it's close to it because like that's a moment for us for the audience, right? But at the same time, I think if you want to do it really really well, it has to be sort of like it has to work within the universe of the show itself and. While he disguised himself, I don't see why he would need why he needed to do that in the show, in the episode. Right. Yeah. I guess maybe it was part of the test. You could say that. Maybe. Maybe. Because if he had said right away, "I'm the guardian of forever and I know everything," then you might react a little differently to him. Right. Possibly. Yeah. I mean, again, it's that's a very minor thing, but yeah. 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 But I, I was fine with it. I mean, I so for a while, I mean, we were speculating last week. Like people were asking me, "Do you think it's the Guardian of Forever?" And I was just like, "I don't know. Like maybe." I I didn't really have any strong feelings about it either way. Yeah, because I, I think I, I might have mentioned it last week too, because I saw some article. You did. Somebody else I talked headline. to. Yeah. Somebody else I talked to said that. I mean, I was sort of leaning toward no, only because well. It's the Garden of Forever doesn't has never disguised itself as such. So there was the nothing to indicate. Yeah, we've only seen do time, not dimension. Right. Exactly. So I I've not seen. There was no evidence towards that, and it was like because I just thought to myself, I would have been. We've seen so many throughout Trek. We've seen seen so many different instances of time travel and jumping through time. Like even if it was something new, I would it would have been fine. Yeah, it wouldn't have mattered. Yeah, it but have it was. Yeah, it was. It was good. Um, um, so before we go back to book, we have this thing that we talked about a little bit before because we were texting a bit while, while I was watching it, taking my notes, and um, uh, you know, they they obviously they're confused as to what had gone down. So they're asking him, "Was how long was I in there?" You know, it felt like right. months to me. Right. And he explains that she checks her wrist, and there's twelve three months of um, you know. 
biodata, so clearly she really was there for three months. And Michael asks right away if, um, but if she was in the past, who was here with us? Yeah, meaning like, who was Philip on the ground? Which you the were first unconscious on the floor it, on the ground. It didn't register to me, and then the second time it registers. That is not a question that would pop into anyone's mind that I could imagine. Right. I said to you, like, even within the context of of, the, of science fiction, it doesn't even make yes. sense. It doesn't even make no, sense. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, they had been sitting there for three months and her body was there, but she was only there for a minute. Right. It's time travel. Any number of things could have happened. It's such an odd... It's such an odd but, line with no purpose other than I don't know what. And how long did they say she was out for? Like, a minute? If that, like, so who was sitting with you for, who was on the ground with you for a minute? And clearly this guy's magical. He can send people back in time. He can send them through dimensions and you're concerned. But who was the unconscious lady next to me? It, it, it just, but like, it just reveals the fact that I, I think the, the, no one, none, the writers just are not thinking things through or having someone go through and just check everything out because there were like a million questions that would pop into someone's head in that moment, and that's not one of them. But also, like, it's such a like, yes, why would you ask that? But that's not a question that's going to get. That's not going to be a lingering question that's going to get that's going to need to get answered later on. So why even ask it to begin with? Yes, what is the importance of it? You obviously, just, it was just George Joe sitting there. You didn't raise a mystery. No. It's not like, how did you send her through time, through a door that has no energy readings? Right, and it the was, fact that this lady. that's later revealed to be the Guardian Forever doesn't change. That doesn't answer that question. Yeah, like Michael's follow-up, and he said, I'm the Guardian of Forever. He should have said, I, okay, I understand that, but who's this lady that was sitting here for a minute? I really need to know. Well, that's the other thing. Like, he reveals, I, I said to you in text, like, I am the Guardian of Forever, like, and he reveals it, I mean, granted, similarly, it's the way he did it in the city on the Forever, but, like... Yeah, so he's a dramatic dude. I thought to myself, like, it reminded me of that moment in Star Trek Into Darkness when Cumberbatch's oh, yeah. character revealed himself to be Khan, and he's like, he said it in a similar way, he said, my name is Khan. Yeah. Now, for us, the as the audience, we know who Khan is, but in yeah. the moment, in that moment in the movie, Kirk's, like, could be like, I don't know who that is. Right, it made way more sense for the Guardian to, to talk like that. Right, because it's it, it and it was directly lifted out of City on the Edge of Forever and just overlaid with the actor, and actually slowed down to match his cadence of how he speaks. Yeah, but because um, he talks like that all the time, he's a he's a that's that's his deal. So yeah, um, but again, it, okay, cool. I, I'm I have nothing not nothing wrong with that, but I would have been just as happy had it been a brand new entity. So, but the Guardian did say something that really intrigued me. Mm-hmm. I liked the thing that he said. I thought it was interesting where he talked about how he relocated himself from his original planet because he was getting exploited in the Temporal Wars. And I thought, that's interesting. That's yes. a, that was very cool. Yes. Yeah. Right. That was interesting. And then, but then, again... We get followed by these we- odd line from Michael that says, yeah. only someone with access to like all the data in the world could oh, find yeah. you. And then she says it as if she's just realized it in the moment. The sphere data. Right. And we all were there. We all watched the sphere data right. come up with this location. So I don't know what that line was about either. I, I said to you, so for people listening to this, when I first watched this episode the other day, I was not happy. And I kind of 
you and I were talking, I kind of went on a little bit of a, of a, of a frustrated tear. And um, in talking about moments like we were just talking about, I said, you know, I feel like sometimes the show does not respect its audience. And in moments like you just mentioned, like, yes, we know what the sphere data is. You yes. mentioned it earlier in the episode, but we remember it from last season. We know that it's Merger Discovery. Like, we haven't forgotten what it is. The show sometimes right. reminds you of these things that we are aware of. And I said to you, but there are way more important things that we may forget about that the show needs to breathe, remind us of. Get, right, that they only mentioned one time. Right. And they breeze over. Exactly. So yes, they're, they're doing the exposition that we've they're, complimented in other shows, but at the wrong times. They're ex- <laughs> They're exposing the wrong things. And for no reason, because I don't think that in that moment we were thinking, but then how did they find it? Right. That didn't make sense. It's, yeah, like, it's... It's so weird. Like, okay, fine, the sphere data. Yes, we know that. You did it 40 minutes ago, but no. Um, Why do you think the temporal wars keep coming up as a talking that's point. Gonna be the, Do you think that's I think the section they want to show? That's going to be the George O show. Hmm. Okay. Well, because I, I'm I'm intrigued because he said I'm going to send you back. So, just to get back on track on the plot for a second, the George O was still out of phase, right? This going back did not heal her. It was she went back to be weighed, right? As he the was Guardian puts it, testing her to make sure she was worthy, and which I didn't know the Guardian did that either. What ends up what ends up happening is he sends her back, as he puts it, to a time when both universes were are aligned. Where that where she goes, so yeah, what in, that means in effect, where where she goes, we have no idea. Where she goes or when she goes and what that means, we don't know. So it could be anywhere between Enterprise's time or maybe even Picard's. I don't know, but I'll just say. For well, safety, I'll just say anytime. I'll just say Deep Space Nine's time, or maybe even after that. I don't know. I think it, I, I was saying um, my thought was, oh, they're gonna send her back to, um, you know, like the dinosaur era. Well, I, because I, I think Kovich, when he talked about how the universes were beginning to separate from one another, I think he mentioned a time frame. I just forget what he said. Oh, okay. I think he said like nobody's crossed over for the last five hundred years, so maybe that's when it began. I, I, so it could be then. Okay. People. Online seems to think like, is she going to show up on Picard? And thinking, maybe, but where's the, there's no evidence of that at all. Right, and don't and you know, if if they want them, if the writers of Picard want her to, otherwise just leave them alone and let them make a good show. That's my yeah. Feelings. I mean, my I'm not going to really speculate. I just know that where we last left off with Section Thirty One at the end of the last season of Discovery was that. In that sort of inter- in the interrogation scenes of each character at the end, when they were talking about Tyler, he became I think he was like the head of Section Thirty One, and they said it needs like massive reforms or something like that. So I feel like maybe there's a that could be a hint there. But oh man, we're gonna get um, Tyler back too. Oh, God, I hope not. Because um, I think you know the interesting thing to me, the potential there for me for the Section Thirty One show is possibly. How, could this be about like how the Section Thirty One, how the organization became extremely secretive, to the point of where we saw them on Deep Space Nine, where nobody even knew who they were? Like, is yeah. it, you know, is it something? Like, so, I mean, I don't know. I'm 
personally, I don't really care where they where she where they go. Um, if they go back to the 23rd century, fine. Please do not have them show up on Strange New Worlds because I'm I don't want to see them on that oh, show. Yeah. So well, yeah. The thing that I think was sort of a bummer is that I this this felt like uh, there was a scene in Avengers. I think it was uh, Age of Ultron when Thor. He might have been when he got drugged or like by Scarlet Witch or something. But Thor goes into this like dark cave with water in it, and he goes yep. in this whole thing that has nothing to do with the film at all. And at a point, you realize, oh, they're setting up like the next Thor movie or something. Right. And that's what this sort of felt like at this moment because here we have one of our characters, one of the most interesting characters yep. that has the most interesting story arc and like mm-hmm. a real arc. Yep. And she comes to a position, like she really comes to a new place in her character, and then they take her away. So it's kind of um, a huge bummer because I would have liked to see this new George O that now knows that she likes being in the Prime universe and like trying to fit in more and trying to be more compassionate without losing her edge would have been a great addition. But now, once she becomes even more interesting, we lose her. That's right. a bummer. Yeah, and, you know, I thought there were really great moments with the two of them toward the end when Michael's saying, you are my Philippa Giorgio. She got to know this Giorgio in a way she didn't get to know Captain Giorgio, even though they served together for seven years. So, but that's all, that was, in my opinion, that was also a moment, despite the fact that when we first saw them in the very first episode of Discovery, they'd already had seven years behind them that we haven't seen. Right. When Michael says something like, you are my Philippa, that's an audience moment because we don't, we only got to see Captain Giorgio for two episodes. We've, we have gotten to know this Giorgio much more. So in a way, even though this is, mirror Giorgio, it still feels to us, I think, like the real Giorgio. This is the Giorgio we got to know. Right. But I, I still didn't quite buy it. Like I yeah. don't know that on screen I've seen the relationship blossom in this way that she talked about it as right. it has. Right. But you know, I was able to roll with it and but I, I don't know, do what do you think? Do you think that, that moment landed in that did you feel that they had this very strong relationship? So I because think, once George started to treat her like crap after the phasing started, Michael kind of didn't even care. Well, I, so what I was going to say was last season on Discovery, when we were nearing the end of the second season, I remember there was a point where Michael was on the Section 31 ship and the two of them had moments together. And Michael was slowly beginning to break through to her, like bust through that hard exterior. And there was a moment like where. You know, Giorgio is planning something with Michael, and she says, "I'm going to turn off the security uh, internal sensors during this time, so you've got to do what you got to do at that point." So she's going to help her. There was a moment I forget what they were talking about, but like Michael is asking her for help, and she's of course being the abrasive self, and Michael just kind of like I think she like puts her hand on her shoulder, and she's like, and she's just like Philippa, like please, right? So you felt like they were kind of breaking through. I felt like it was heading in a in that direction last season. This season, I felt like it kind of goes back to what I was saying in the beginning of the season, where I feel like even before the phasing began, I felt like Giorgio seemed a little too over the top this season. It mm-hmm. didn't, she didn't feel like the same Giorgio 
at the end of last season, even though this was supposed to be moments later. Um, yeah. So I felt like she took a little bit of a turn even before the yeah. phasing began. Um, yeah, I think you're right. I think that it was yeah. this season that their relationship was so strained that I kind of forgot about it last season. It's almost like Michelle Yeoh forgot where she left off with her in some way. Or, yeah, right. Yeah. Or the producers or directors said, like, let's turn up the snark. Yeah, like, I can understand the doing it of that when she's phasing it out because Kovic explains that perfectly fine. But, again, yeah. before that, yeah. it just... She's, I said to you, I remember saying to you, like, I feel like she's over the top. I don't know. What do you think? And you were like, oh, I don't know. But something yeah. just didn't seem didn't seem right to me. But Yeah, I still don't really get the phasing thing. And then it, it almost would have made sense if when, after she came back from the mirror universe, when they had their goodbyes, you could have told her, like, so I'm sorry, but the Michael there killed me and, and seeing your face was too hard or something, you know? Now, I don't know. what I'm not clear on still, though, and I, and I watched the scene like 10 times. I'm still not clear on the flashbacks though and how they play into this. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. That's that exact scene. Never really happened. Like she mentions to Michael who San is, but or, I still don't understand. Yeah, there, was no San. there was no San in the, in the mirror universe. No, like I, you, cause you had a good theory. You were like, are they going to show whatever that flashback is happen? Yeah. So, no, like, I, I, I don't know, and I feel, the show oh makes God. me feel stupid sometimes, like, I'm, I just, I don't know what that mm-hmm. is, I, I st- I'm still well, not clear how that fits in. Here's the thing, too, right, you put the flashbacks in the same season as the reveal, and yet you still didn't make it a line. Right. That's ridiculous, and that's shoddy, shoddy craftsmanship. Well, Giorgio show. mentions San before she goes into the Guardian, into the Guardian but... Yeah, but who the hell is Son, and why does Son matter? Well, Son was the person whose name she was saying in the flashbacks, but uh, nevertheless, I, know, I, I don't know who that is. I still don't know who matter. it is. Yeah. We didn't find out when... Oh, imagine if we get there, right, we find out that Son is Terran for daughter. Oh, come on, how's that for a reveal? Right. No! Well, somebody had postulated online, like, I think they're leaving these threads intentionally open to be re- to be addressed on the section 31 show and i said i think that's i'm like i think that's really a shitty thing to do i don't think it should be up to another show that's not what's happening i well i don't yeah i don't think that's what's happening but i I also don't think i don't think you should leave it up to another show to resolve the plot of an of another show here's the thing that continues to happen and we we were guilty of it a lot earlier in the podcast Mm. but it's fool me once shame on um you fool me twice shame on me right People are making excuses for the show a lot when they all come down to sloppiness in the planning and execution of the, especially the writing. Um, cause yeah, to think that like, well, they probably did it intentionally. So only can do the world. But no, I mean, it could have aligned so well. Imagine also if, um, well, what would have been the problem with showing that her flashbacks were about killing Michael? Because then it would have had more impact. Then we would have understood why right. um, they are. We would have understood why. Yeah. They had the conflict with each other. Instead, we were just left to wonder. And then, if you have it be another character, which is fine, if you have another purpose for it, but there was no purpose for but it. Even in the flashbacks when we saw JoJo, she looked like she was younger too, and. Of course, I'm going like, what are, what are we seeing here? And 
that was the question I kept asking, but I was totally on board with what you said when you were like, I think we're going to see these events in the Marvel Universe play out to eventually get to that flashback. That's eventually what we're going to see, and then it's going to all make sense. <laughs> so I was I'm doing it too. So when when she woke up and she was back, we were back where we were. I was like, wait a minute, what about I, what was that? So I, I don't know the. I think it would have made more sense to me. Not much more sense, but more sense nonetheless. If she was remembering specific events of her time as the Emperor, right? Like, there were flashes of, like, Lorca falling into the thing from the first season, that sort of thing, but you specific... So we did see some of that, but that wasn't all of it. We saw stuff flashback that we never saw before, and to her being younger, and I'm thinking to myself, I don't know what... What is this exactly? She seems to be remembering some specific event in the Mirror Universe that we have not seen. What is the significance of this? And then it was not at all related to what happened when she went. No, and then she says to Michael, who she says to, she mentioned, I forget the exact line, I should have wrote it down. But again, like stuff that had happened before, these things that are presented to us that seem to be important are then just swept, either swept under the rug just with a line of dialogue. Yes, or, or, or yeah, or things are set up in a way that could all fit together. Yeah, but it's almost as if they're actively not making them fit together, or right. or like the left hand's not talking to the right hand. Exactly. So now, and I, and again, it's one of those moments. Where, it's one of those moments where I say to you, "This is where the show makes me feel stupid sometimes because it makes me feel like I missed something." So. And I watched that scene where she said, where she explained it to Michael like ten times, thinking, "Okay, what? Tell me again." And and nothing. So, yeah, I'm yeah. gonna reach out to the audience and say, if you all, if we miss something, tell us because this is one of those moments where like so much significance seemed to be placed on it within those flashbacks, and to see <laughs> nothing of it addressed when she's actually in the mirror universe, like I don't, I don't know what it was supposed to be. So. It's almost as if the only thing that matters for any episode that you're watching is the scenes that they show in the previously on. If they don't show it in the previously on, don't even think about it because it's just going to make it not make sense. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So, yeah, so that aspect of it, that aspect frustrated me. And this is what I mean when I say, when I said to you, okay, this is her swan song, but I'm not, this does not. I don't, and this storyline seems wrapped up and wrapped up in the sense of she's not here anymore, so we're not going to address this. But it still does not feel wrapped up to me. Yeah, there's still lingering questions that I don't think the I don't think the show Section Thirty One show should be responsible for wrapping up because I'm going to forget about it by then. And also, I I told you how in my head the flashbacks that I'm just going to imagine that that's Michael with the helmet on because that's the only thing that makes sense. Yeah. So in my head watching this, that's what I thought, right? Because it would make perfect sense. She's guilty about having killed her daughter, so when she goes back, she tries to not kill her. So it makes sense. The flashbacks would be to her killing her daughter. It, it's just that's logical and sensible. It just, I know. I'm just going to say this and move on. It just amazes me. It just, I, it just amazes me that you just you don't. You're, the show has a budget of like twelve to seventeen million dollars per episode, and like you can't think of all the complications when it comes to 
special effects, production, all this other stuff. And you just, you can't, you're spending money on establishing a moment like this, filming a moment like this, and then to not resolve, like, it's, and it it's a waste of money. This is, and this is a part that, I just, I don't get it. How here's what it requires. It requires Google Docs. You know, like all the other things take special effects and things. This just requires Google Docs. Like, just write it good. I just, I don't get how, as writers, you don't see this. I'm not a writer, and I see it. I think, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but I know I shared it with you. When I was watching uh, behind the scenes of The Mandalorian, and so the people that run that were saying how um, the show's so good, they said, because um, of their directors. So these are the two showrunners. And they said, and our directors, we give them the script, and then the directors will come back to us and they'll say, um, was this, is this supposed to be like this? Because doesn't really make sense. And he said, and then we realized that we messed up and then we fix it. Yeah. And my thought was just, what well, is that not happening for discovery for some reason? Something's yeah. not right. Yeah. Um, what I said to you after watching the episode initially was it seems like what the show seems to do is it sets up these intriguing ideas and then loses interest in them. It's almost like it loses confidence in its own story and decides to try, do something else or just ab- and just abandons it completely. It just it loses interest in the plots that it wants that it sets up. Or it does a sort of a Force Awakens to Last Jedi thing where they just hand it off and don't you know, don't don't have any cohesion. Right. Episodes sometimes feel like they're just written in a vacuum. So yeah. um so I, I do have some... I was disappointed that Jojo did not leap through the Guardian like Kirk and Spock did. I thought oh, yeah, she should little, do that. Little hop, little yeah, hops and leap. yeah, exactly. That's what I thought she hate. should do. They didn't yeah. just do the dissolve into nothing. Well, what I, wanna, what I think would have been... I really wish they had gone the extra mile. Like I really wish like when the Guardian opened up, you would have seen historical events playing out exactly yeah, like you did in the original show. And it would have been with the exact movies. same events. Yeah, that would have been good. Like just imagine black and white. how cool would probably it have just, been? Like they went to the studio that was they were making Star Trek at, and probably just asked, like, "Give me some Roman movie outtakes and some." That's what they know. did. Yeah, it's great. Uh, Memory Alpha actually t- shows you. So there's a moment with like a pirate ship, and actually, they actually point out exactly what movie that comes from. Um, like, how cool would it have been if they'd shown all of those same events, and then maybe like threw in some clips from like Enterprise or something, or like all the other? You could have like shown clips from all the tr- all the tr- all the other Trek shows in some in some sense. Yeah, or even Kirk and Spock in uh, Chicago. Or yes, whatever. that would have been cool. I would have. I would. Lo- oh God, I would have loved that. That would have been great. Would have been great. Yeah. yeah. Um. So she goes back to times unknown, and the crew is memorializing her. And you send me a text today that I thought was really funny. You said the only time the entire crew seems to be together is when somebody dies. <laughs> yeah, at a funeral. It's the only time we see them together. <laughs> what I don't get is, like, why does Michael have to pretend like she died? Why does she have to tell the crew that she died? Well, all right, so even to back it up more, yeah. here's what I don't get. Saru says, will we see her again? And Michael says, no. How the hell does Michael know that she's not going to see her again? Right. There's no reason Michael would know that. That's like they're saying our, our trip to the future is a one-way trip. It is because the writer said it is. Not because anything has been established, but right. why wouldn't it have just been more reasonable for her to say, I don't know. I, I mean, clearly she's, you know, can't, I don't, she doesn't know. Nobody knows anything. 
time when Giorgio thing. travels back in time, can't she theoretically go to the location where the Guardian was then and and use it and go forward? Right. She doesn't know that they're not going to see her again. Right. Uh, that that drove me crazy. Yeah. Because it, it's just like that. Uh, it's a one way trip. Why? Because because it's a one way trip. And it, it actually reminds me of. So I was uh, watching a. a I'll mention the Mandalorian again, but there yeah. was a departure of two characters, and um, one of them just said as they departed, like, um, "I'll f- I'll see you someday," yeah. or like something like that. And it was just like it leaves that little bit of like, "Huh, what's right. gonna happen?" You know? And just to say, "No, nope, she's gone," um, is sen- senseless. Um, all right, so whatever happens to Gior- to Giorgio, we will see on this Section Thirty One show whenever it comes out. So. I we're definitely not going to see her on Discovery because Michael said Because that. Michael said so, <laughs> exactly. Um, I will say one thing, though, on that before I end this. Now, we've talked about in the past about Discovery having a lot of, um, and I think we got this phrase from someplace, these unearned emotional moments. Now, I did feel like this emotional moment of her goodbye was earned. Was earned. I wasn't feeling it strongly, and mm-hmm. I think it was because I know that she's not really dead. You know, had right. she died, it would have been a different story. So, but at I least feel like, it was yeah. characters that actually had a history together that we've seen, right? Rather than someone that's been in the background and then they insist, trust me, they're close and they're sad about. Yes, them. yes. So, yeah. um, I, 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 I think I can say again, on that note, good job, Discovery. Not something yes. I say too yeah, often. We, yeah, we'll compliment when it's deserved. Uh, right, exactly, because we are not haters. Let's be clear on that. Um, now. Uh, so a little bit of an update on the burn. So we do find out yes. that. And, and let me just say again, this was a scene that watched the episode two times. I was not able to follow because it, they were going so mile a minute, and Both I was, was still. I think. Yeah, and I was yeah. still just, you know, reveling in that guardian reveal. So you got to tell me what happened. Right. Well, they find out that. There's a so basically what happens is they are able to tie into the ship that's at the center of this nebula where the burn originated, and it picks up on a thread from last week where Book wants to help Discovery in some way, and Saru says to him, "You know, we'd love to have you help. Just you know, when there's an opportunity to do so, please do." So he does. He he has some emerald chain technology that helps them. Amplify that signal, right? What signal? What I, huh? What signal? Oh, the signal from the from the burn. Not the yeah. not the not the red angel signal. Let's not let's not confuse right. that. Um, so what I found yeah, a little that's bit all of, the, that's all the emerald chain technology did is it's like a signal booster. It, it, I think it probably did. They were talking so mile a minute, right? But what I what I didn't like about, worked up about it. What I didn't like about that moment chain. was that like I think it was the way book entered the scene. He kind of entered the scene as if he had been in engineering the entire time, and it was reminiscent of like what you were saying, somebody walking into walking into them saying, "Hey, I have this information." It's like, what? What? Yeah. So, saying, coming into the room, this is Second Red Angel. Okay, right. cool. So, book just walks into the scene. So I'm thinking to myself, like, was he in engineering? Heard what they needed? Ran out? Came back in? And we just didn't see it? Or did he just? Right. Was he walking around with this piece of technology, waiting for the right opportunity to give it to somebody? <laughs> like, what? And know? then we did have a little Tignataro scene with. Um, uh, uh, okay. Stamets and it was that scene annoyed me. Okay, now this is going to sound very nitpicky, but this is why it annoyed me. 
We see her again, and Stamets says, "Where the hell have you been?" I'm thinking to myself, "She's an op- she. You're on a ship. She's an officer. Does she not have a duty shift? Can you not say Stamets to Stamets to Reno? Please come. Like, I don't. <laughs> it's just like when they said, "Go find Saru." <laughs> Well, like, I realize it's being played for laughs, but I'm just thinking, like... That's for us, the audience, because she disappears for a bunch of episodes. Right. Right. Well, yeah. and, again, this is why it's difficult to get emotionally attached to some of these characters, because they go away for episodes at a time. Yeah. And then when they come back, you're like, oh, yeah, right. She was replicating licorice the whole time. But, again, like... St- Again, I I realize I'm getting nitpicky, but like the humor in that scene didn't land for me because I know that I know that within the universe he could just as easily say press on the com badge and say Stamets to Notaro, please come in, or Stamets to Reno, please come in. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's sort of one of those moments of someone saying like you haven't called me in weeks, and the like yeah, well, you didn't call me in weeks either. Right, and yet they're on the same ship, decks apart, mm-hmm. and she's an officer. I'm assuming she has a duty shift, obviously, right? So I yeah yeah. So, all right, but whatever. That's it's semantics, I right, guess. Right, that's neither here nor there because now we get some info about the burn, sort of. Right. So, but very little, which is also frustrating. Um, but that leads to a scene that Saru has with Admiral Vance. This I like. I'm beginning to really enjoy the scenes between Saru. And Vance, they're good. They're very good scenes. In my, like, they're very good. Yes. Now that Vance is an actual character, yeah, I like him. Um, but it's great that Vance knows that Saru was being shady, and he knows why. Right. Just what I said. You haven't seen a Kelpie in a while. He's getting a little horny. Right. No, and it was really horny, but you know, it's yeah, it was good. Like what he was getting at was saying, like, you know, are you sure you're not allowing? Like, if this had been, like, a Voyager episode, it would have been something like, you know, are, are you sure you're Do not voice. allowing... Voice. Are you sure you're not allowing, like, your personal interests to nah, interfere with... Janeway voice. Oh, I don't... <laughs> um, Commander, let's be clear on one thing. You're allowing your personal interests to make decisions for you. To, that was good. Yeah. That was really good. Some, it would have been something like that, right? That was... That was I'm impressed. <laughs> Um, so yeah like but I like that they sort of address that because I will say as an audience member I did wonder that myself yeah and um, what what he said did make sense too like what are we going to tell him that we, we don't know anything yet so you know is he supposed to report to Vance after every single thing happens it seems odd um, but According to my notes, yeah, so Saru is still letting his emotions um, guide him. Yeah. That's clear. Vance knows that, too. Right. So I do like the fact that Vance, you know, Saru have an actual relationship. Did you feel like in that scene, because Vance did ask about Michael, and Saru, I forget what Saru's actual line was, but it was he was basically telling Vance that, She's doing fine in the role that she's in now, or something to that effect. But did you feel like there was some tease there about her becoming captain again? Oh, well, that was funny because we forgot to mention that that was the last thing Giorgio said before she went into the... Right, exactly. I couldn't remember where that was spoken, so sorry. My bad. Yeah, so she said, um, you know, 
Saru's not the only one that can be captain or something like that. You, you're, yeah, something. You're destined for more. Right. Now. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, obviously, I'm still thinking about what she did a few weeks ago, but maybe, because I think we said this a few weeks ago, we were frustrated a few weeks ago. Maybe in that moment, it was not a good decision. But what it eventually... Because I think we had said... It w- maybe it would have been different if she was in a situation where she had something in front of her, she broke a rule to go get it, but you know it was worth breaking that rule because look what it got us. Yeah. Right? And even Vance said... If you had brought this to me, I probably would have said it was okay. Right. So, is it possible, I'm just going to throw this out there, that maybe that is still the case? It's just, it's taking a little bit longer to get to that? So, like, you know, I I don't know, because he, I don't know, I'm just... He's like, they're seeing her, Vance is starting to see that... Although she can be a loose cannon, she has she gets results kind of deal. Right, right. Because I feel like in the old world, that would have been something that was done in one episode. But maybe we're seeing this play out over the season. Um, I, you're, you're, okay, you're, I know. You're being generous, though. To I, I don't know. I'm just, uh, well, I'm not being, I'm, I'm, I'm not being generous. I'm just guessing. I, I'm just yeah. guessing. I mean, I could be totally off base here. But because it wasn't as if they revisited that in the last few weeks, right? Because she did that revolt, like I think it was like three, four weeks ago. Yeah, so. and has she? Have you seen her be relegated to strictly science officer duties? Well, she's doing away team stuff, dude. Like she went on books planet. She's on this planet. Yeah, she's, she's leading, leading away, away missions. She's not a science officer, right? Nothing has changed about what she does, practically. Except yeah. she doesn't talk to Saru anymore. As much. She's still being used in the same way, correct? Um, yeah. But then again, I guess Spock was a science officer, too. Right. He certainly went on plenty of away missions. He didn't lead them, generally. Right. Well, and to throw an extra wrinkle on all that, he was also the first officer. <laughs> he was the oh, first right. officer was, and the science officer. Double dude, that's right, so, that's right. Yeah, I mean, I... Yeah. If they're going to dangle this in front of us again... Um, I think, again, it goes back to your whole fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Um, it's I like, don't care. I, <sighs> like, if they dangling as if like I'm supposed to be rooting for it. Right. I think they have a real weird sense of how, like, the character of Michael. That we're, Do they think we're rooting for her? I, so, all right, well, let me... This is a... You gave me the context. So... When I'm frustrated with this show, I Google things, hoping to find something that feels the same way that I do. Okay. So I can feel vindicated. But it's not not too hard. So I can feel vindicated. Um, Well, it's harder than you think with this season, actually. So I find... You go to the comment section of... um... One of the no, I don't. I don't look at comment sections. I look at like articles that are written by people, right? Okay, I won't get into it, but so let me just you can't trust those. I pulled something from an article from nowtoronto.com from the entertainment section <laughs> nowtoronto.com. That's a weird one, but okay. Well, because I think I typed in like, I think what I typed 
Washington. How does Toronto feel about this episode? No, no, no. no. <laughs> what I literally this is like, I I got this result because this is what I typed into Google. I literally you're gonna laugh my ass off when I say this. I typed in Star Trek Discovery season three, frustrating, <laughs> and I got and results. Got okay. So, but I think, but let's be clear. I just want to be clear. It's not me seeking out like Doomcock or. Yeah, these other haters and feeling like yes they agree with me like that's not what this is at all right because right. they've devolved from criticism to just right i'm looking piling for, on hatred i'm looking for criticism from a professional writer and that's what these these are so this was just one of the results i found we about. are professional critics mm. so i i pulled a little bit from an article i just want to read this to you so okay this, this was sort of a this was written around the time of the when the first episode had aired of the season, but the press had gotten access to the first four episodes. This so, season. right. So, but I still think it's relevant. He said that the initial concept of Michael was a human child raised by Vulcans to value logic and detachment above everything else. And whose unearned confidence in her own judgment was her greatest flaw. This was yes. intriguing and ripe with potential. And I'm sure if creator Brian Fuller had been allowed to actually make the show he conceived, he would have known what to do with her. But without Fuller, Discovery has refused to explore Michael's complications, just treating her as a straight-up hero and forcing all the other characters to defer to her. Which works if she's a captain, which I suspect was her original arc, but that's not how it's played out so far. I love it. Send me this article because I want to... I've got it right here. I'm going to do that to send it to you right now. And we should tweet it out to the listeners as well. But, I mean, do you find that to be accurate? It's completely accurate, yes. And we talked about that before. About how, you know, we, we mentioned how this season was the first time that we've seen her Vulcanness come into play again. And just barely. Mm. But that was the most, in, uh, yeah, that was the most interesting thing about her. And they dropped it. I said to you that I felt like at the end of the first season, it felt like the premise of the show had been fulfilled. Yes. It felt like that's where they needed to get at the end of the show. Now, I didn't think... Are they going to get her to captain? I just felt like it's just getting her back into Starfleet. So given that she... Because I remember, I remember at the end of the first season feeling that. Feeling like, okay, well now... Because, let me ask... I've asked you this question before. I'm going to ask it again. Mm-hmm. What is Star Trek Discovery about? It It's about a ship that got flinged into the future. But you couldn't say... Hey, you didn't say but you didn't... I, I'm not asking you to tell me what the season is about. What right. is the show about? It's about a bunch of Federation people doing stuff. So <laughs> that's all you can say. Right. What I'm so what I'm saying is, I find it troubling that you can't doesn't have an identity. Yes, I'm finding it troubling that you can't explain the premise because I I mean because I can't either. Now, I would have been able to I, I was able to do that in the first season because what I just read to you. Is what the show was doing in the first season, mostly. Yes, yes. That was the premise of the show. But it's a show that can't... The show, I think even in this article at one point, he says, the show hasn't figured out what it wants to be, and this is the third season, and they should know that by now, right? Yes. And, yes. you know, you can't say something like, it's a show about a ship flung halfway across on the other side of the galaxy trying to make their way home. What is sort of the what is the premise of the show 
Like, what's the end goal of all of this? Where right, is it so lead, the, What's so, it building to? Right. For example, the original series. It's in the, uh, it's in the opening narration. Uh, yeah, a five-year mission to right. explore strange new worlds and new civilizations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Exactly. And let me tell you this. This one is like, well, yeah, well, first they have to go to a mirror universe, and then they have to find the angels and then they have you know it's right always a different thing it's an overall like it's an ever-changing it's an ever-changing mm-hmm. premise yeah but the thing i think it points out so great is the character bit because um i said it just i just said it today about Giorgio. here you have an interesting character with an interesting conflict and they get rid of, they her. Get rid of it yeah so it, it's say that about the first season of the show yeah, and they often have these situations. Even when all these flashbacks started with Giorgio, right. I was upset because I thought we already have a good um, sort of conflict with her, and that is between her um, Karen self and, and how she acts here, and then her relationship with Michael, and how they each have feelings. They care about a different person that looks the same and sort of acts the same, but not really. Right. And, um, like that was interesting enough without throwing in all this other stuff. So yeah. I feel like they often have right in front of them excellent setup for good drama, and and they every time steer away from it to something more complex and more totally uh, uh, like, not working. And especially though, Michael being half Vulcan was the most interesting thing about her. It is so true. And yep, it was. It, and I didn't even think of it that way. That it was, it was that fact is why she did what she did in the Battle of the Binary Stars was because she thought her logic yep. was superior to everyone else's. And that's how that's how the character, that's how the show was sold to us. But if you remember back in the in the second episode of Battle of the Binary Stars, there's that flashback where Michael is first comes aboard the Shenzhou with Sarek, and she's still acting very Vulcan. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, cut to her seven years later, still acting like a human. And I'm thinking to my and I remember saying to myself I would like to see that explored. How did she get from that a human acting as a Vulcan? Right. And she still was and, more Vulcan-like when we saw her in right. the beginning of the series. Well, and there was that even moment, I think, in the flashback where, like, Sarek said to her at one point, like, I forget what his line was, but it was something to the effect of, like, you can't speak Vulcan or you can't say it because it's not your true tongue. Like, you... like. There's something. There was something presented her that she could not do because she was not a Vulcan, and she could only do. It's almost like she was handicapped in some way because she yeah. was a human. Like something about her humanity was preventing her from achieving something, right? Right. And it was very. It was interesting. Yes. And yeah, it was not explored properly. Right. Even when Spock came back, it wasn't really explored properly. Yeah. So I I think the you know. They were really digging into the lore, the background, not just of her, but of Trek itself, in the first season. And they did a lot of like yeah. flashbacks to her as a kid with Sarek. Yeah, she had was, a close relationship with Sarek, and so yeah. And it was sort of a Spock to the next level, right? Because Spock yeah. was half human, and that's why it was hard for him to adapt to right. Vulcanism. But then we have someone who's fully human raised it, so it was like it was great. It was great. It was great. Yeah, they they and, then, and that was one of those things. Here that I felt like throwing them into the future handicapped that because you, you just completely severed her from 
some very yeah. intriguing stuff. And they had abandoned it a long time before they got flying into the future. That could have been... Yeah. I mean, season two was about her working on her issues with Spock, which she did. I mean, they had some good scenes together. But yeah. there was still more to her character that I felt at that time. Like, oh, she's now resolved her issues with Spock. Now what? Where does that take yeah, her now? No one would know that she was raised Vulcan. Exactly. There's no indication in her character whatsoever. Nothing she ever says. No way that she acts. It would have been so cool if she had retained at least some of that. And that's why I find it so troubling when like when a new season for the show is coming and somebody always asks Cindy Comet Green, like, what's you know, what does your character have to prove this time? And she goes, I'm just thinking like like I asked those questions as soon as season one ended, like, because it was, again, as I, as I said to you, it felt fulfilled. And I go, now, where do we go? Where do we go now? Where, where do yeah. we take this now? So, yeah. I mean, yeah, again, it's like, we, it also, it's a similar thing where you have to, so I guess the idea is you give her a character that she has a complicated relationship with. Yep. And then they have some conflict and they have to say goodbye at the end. Yeah. And that, was, that was season two and three so far with her character. And look, when I think back to season one, I mean, we we were very... I mean, my recollection was we were very sort of like... We weren't in love with it, but we also didn't hate... We, we were intrigued. It was intriguing. We were like, yeah, like, we're along for the ride. Like, tell us more and build on this, right? Yeah. And they just... Yeah. So and the second season was saved by um, your favorite. Yes. And... Yes. Well, it started off good, and then, but I'm not going to do that again, so... Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Yeah, it, it is really too bad. And it really is too bad, especially when, when you know the behind-the-scenes things and you know that there was a creator that set everything in motion and yeah. then got fired or pushed out. It's a bummer because you, you can see it so clearly, how things are set up in a way that's really interesting and then it's just drifted away. Brian Fuller's, like, fingerprint on the show is so heavy in the first season, and you still see it a little bit in the second season. But right. now it's completely with them being flung to the future. It's completely decoupled, and yeah, and, um, and just looking at the man's work, clearly he he is yeah he, he's good. He makes good shows. He makes interesting shows. He makes shows with like clear ideas. So right. it's a big loss, right? And I I would one day I want to hear the what what happened, like what actually went down. So next week's episode is entitled "The Citadel." Oh, there's an episode of Clone Wars called The Citadel. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So, we will look forward to that. I have no theories other than what we see in the in the, in the the trailer. So, they clearly get to where they need to get to, and then I think Osira shows up. So, mm. can't wait to see Osira. <laughs> but it seems like they do get to the heart of the nebula, or whatever it is, so... Right. Perhaps we'll that's some that's what I mentioned. Yeah, you would you would ask me. I think at one point, like I think you said something like, "Oh, I, don't, I hope we don't see her next week." I go, "No, I think we're going to because she's on she's on the ready room with uh yeah. with Will Wheaton next week." So uh, I think her character is going to be there. Yep. Oh, one note that I didn't mention. I thought it was very funny that when Michael was um, eliminating all the traitors, that there was a, a, a totally unnecessary explosion when Detmer was. Killing people. Oh, yeah, she yeah. just 
There was just a box of explosives, and then she shot it, and it blew up. It was like a Michael Bay moment. Yes, it really <laughs> was. And it's, you know, maybe it's back to that idea that this is, they believe this is their action adventure show, so they gotta blow some stuff up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, well, we'll see everybody next week with episode 11, The Citadel. Later, skaters. Peace out. <laughs>